Amen. All right. Well, hey, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, I fly a ton. And I'm not saying that to boast, but to explain uh, the segue, what I'm about to share with you, uh, you know, conferences or interviews and things of that nature. And, uh, and maybe you've experienced this uh, dynamic as well, uh, that uh, sometimes when you fly, you get good flight attendants, and sometimes you get the other ones. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been there? Okay. And I'll tell you what, folks, uh, recently I came across a flight that I don't know, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but uh, I would have to say these were the world top-notch, world-class, best flight attendants ever. You want to be on this kind of flight, but let's see if you agree. Let's take a look at this. People call. People come. People come. People come. I'm sorry, we've run out of cow. We only have beef. Beef then. People come. Beef. People come. Oh, I'm a vegetarian. What? I'm a vegetarian. What? I'm a vegetarian. What? I'm a vegetarian. What? I'm a vegetarian. Beef or cow? I'm a vegetarian. I can't eat either. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Do you mean? Well, if you don't eat beef and you don't eat cow, how can you be alive? <laughs> Awesome. I mean, that's one flight you want to be on. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the best one ever, right? Let's close in prayer. All right, no, but seriously, but uh, I, I, hey, again, me, it's me, but man, that's got to be the best flight attendance ever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, wow, that was just incredible. Okay, now believe it or not, though, I know this might be a stretch, but hang with me. Believe it or not, as cool as those flight attendants were, I think I found another flight that's even better than that one. And can anybody guess what it is? It's called the Rapture of the church. That's one flight you really want to be on, and it's going to be awesome. In fact, the Bible talks about beef or cow. Well, it's going to be cow because what's Luke 15, 23 say? God kills the what? The fatted calf. God knows how to party, beef or cow. But that's right. But the rapture is one flight you don't want to miss, okay? The reason why is because that's the blessed hope. That's the good news that, listen, I'm going to escape the horrible time of the seven-year tribulation that is coming upon this whole planet. You want to make sure that you're on that flight even today. And that's why we're going to continue our study. Are you ready for the rapture? Okay. And again, this is a study where I call the rubber meets the road, man. You can get all kinds of things wrong in life, right? You can get beef or cow, beef or cow. I think it's pretty obvious which you should choose, right? But man, whatever you do, don't get eternity wrong, right? Don't get the rapture wrong. Don't, don't, don't be left behind. This is not a game, okay? And so far, if you've been tracking with this, we've seen uh, five different things about the rapture. We saw the basis of the rapture, the importance of the rapture, the purpose of the rapture, the reward of the rapture, and the last five times, we've been dealing with the timing of the rapture. And there we saw that God doesn't give us the exact day or the hour of the rapture, okay, for good reasons, because we would goof off to the very end, okay? Or if a person's not saved, they would goof off and then finally get saved five minutes before, and God wants a loving relationship with us. He wants us to choose that now, Okay, but we also saw that even though we don't know the exact day nor the hour, God tells us it has to be from the Bible. Biblically, we're not making this up. It's not a form of escapism because we can't handle pain. It's because the scripture is clear. It teaches that the church has to be gone before the seven-year tribulation, right? And and I didn't say that. The, The Bible did. We saw that with the proof of the unknown hour, the absence of the church, the location of the church, the promises to the church, the removal of the church, and last time, the whole purpose of the seven-year tribulation, 
And we saw that this is goofy. Why do you keep trying to squeeze the church into a time frame, the seven-year tribulation, that the Bible defines the purpose? The purpose has nothing to do with the church. No wonder we're nowhere around because it's not for us. We saw clearly the two audiences is God is going to use the seven-year tribulation to pull back a remnant of the Jewish people because he's not done. Audience number one. Audience number two is he's going to pour out his wrath on the wicked, rebellious Gentile nations. And by this, not a Jew who's rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's it. Right? So why do you keep trying to squeeze the church in a time frame that God biblically defines the purpose that has nothing to do with us? Uh, last time I checked, you need to recheck and reevaluate uh, your doctrine and align it with the scripture, which is where it's supposed to come from, okay? But that's not all. I'm still preaching, Pastor Bobby. So guess what? And there is, Pastor Bobby. That's right. The sixth thing that we're going to take a look at in the rapture in order to help us get ready for it uh, is the objection specifically to the pre-trib rapture. Has anybody noticed that's kind of on the uptick? I just really fight against that. And as wild as this sounds, folks, even though we've been seeing the last five times, who's counting? I am, Ron, thank you. Uh, five times, the evidence from the Bible, right, uh, that the rapture happens prior to the seven-year tribulation. We got tons and tons of evidence, even though it's there. It's in the scripture. We're not making this up. We're just following what the scripture says. There are still a ton of people who reject this biblical truth of a pre-trib rapture, and they throw up, I'm telling you, as we're going to see, various baseless, frankly ridiculous objections because they just want to squeeze the church in there, okay? And we're going to deal with them tit for tat over the next, Lord willing, several weeks, unless what? The rapture. You guys are paying attention. Praise God. Okay. And the first false accusation we're going to deal with today that they throw up against the pre-trib position. They say, the pre-trib rapture is not found in the Bible. Really? Well, what Bible are you reading? Again, if it's got that purple cover on it, it's probably the Barney version. I love you. You love... Yeah, you want to throw that one away. You want to get a real Bible, right? But as always, don't take my word for it. Really? The Bible didn't teach the rapture? And the pre-trib, what? Right? Don't take my word for it. Let's read the Bible. What a concept. <laughs> uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to take a look as our opening text. All right. Does the Bible teach a rapture? And is it a pre-trib position? Right? 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 is our opening text. And uh, 1 Thessalonians is written, of course, to who? The church of Thessalonica. You, that's great. If you find 3 Thessalonians, what do you do? You guys weren't too confident on that. There is no third Thessalonians, right? The second Thessalonians, you take a left, right? But hey, stall enough time. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. Does the Bible talk about a rapture? Let's take a look. The coming of the Lord, right? Verse 13 says this, brothers, we don't want you to be what? Ignorant. So Paul's telling you this in advance. This is something he wants you to know about those who fall asleep or have died, the Christians who've already died, and, and then therefore you what? Grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. So again, what's the context here? Is the hope, the hope that we have. And there's two audiences that he's going to mention, right? There's the hope of those who've already died. Don't worry, we're going to see him again. And then there's the hope of those of us who are still alive on the earth. We get a, a, something to hope for too. And it rhymes with the rapture for those who are wondering. But let's take a look at that, right? He says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who've what? Fallen asleep in him and those who have already died. The Christians already died. Now, according to whose word? The Lord's own word. I'm not making this. We tell you that we who are what? Still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep or who've already died. Well, how's that going to happen? Well, here it is at the rapture. For the Lord himself will come down from where? Heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the who gets to go first? Who rises first? 
Who gets their resurrected bodies first? Those who've already died. The dead will rise first. And then after that, if you will, harder on their heels, we who are what? Still alive and who are left will be what? Caught up together, harpazo in the Greek. That's why it says caught up. That's what it means. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, you better stock up on survival gear. You better get seven years worth of beans and rice and all kinds of stuff. You better get 8,000 packets. Oh, I'm sorry, Ron. It's that Barney version. It just sneaks in there, Ron. What's it say? Therefore, what? Encourage one another with these words. Of course, what's the whole context? Hope. As we saw before, uh, what kind of hope is there if you're going to be in the seven-year tribulation? As Jesus is saying, it's the worst time in the history of mankind. It's contrary to the text. But you may be seated if you can there. And again, as we saw before, this isn't the only passage. The pre-trib rapture, the rapture is not even in the Bible. What? Right? Uh, this is not the only passage, right, that talks about this event called the rapture, the blessed hope, right? That you could actually get this. You could actually escape death and go straight to be with Jesus. Last time I checked, that's kind of cool. All three of you who are excited about the possibility of not having to die before you see the Lord. I, that, that's, that's a hope, right? It could happen, right? But that's not the only passage. Let's take a look at a couple others we saw before. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52 says this. Listen, I tell you what. A mystery, as we saw last week, mysterion, right? We will not all sleep, but we will what? All be what? Changed. How fast is that going to happen? In the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed, right? And then Jesus, of course, believe it or not, this also is obviously contextually a rapture passage as well, because what's he say? John 14, 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, what's the key word there? Troubled. If I'm in the seven-year tribulation, am I going to be troubled? Uh, yeah, okay. But he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because trust in God, trust also in who? Me, Jesus, and what he says. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, right? I'm going there where the Father's house to prepare a place for you. And here's the news. Right now, according to the scripture, Jesus ascended at his resurrection, after the resurrection, to the right hand of the Father, right? He says, what is he doing right now? He's what? Preparing a place for what? For you, right? And here's the good news. If I go and prepare a place for you, which he is, then what's he going to do? I'm going to come back and take you to be with me, right? That you also may be where I am. Where is Jesus? In heaven. So he's going to come back and he's going to take us to be with him in heaven, right? And we'll see in a second, this is not the same as the second coming, right? And we'll delineate that in great detail. But again, not once, not twice, but three different times. The passage is clear in the scripture over and over again. We're not making this up. This is not some form of escapism because we can't deal with pain and horrible news. That's right. And again, what's the context? Hope. And Paul says, encourage one another with these words. That this event called the rapture is really biblical. It's really there. And it's really something to look forward to. Can we we all agree on that? We're just quoting Bible, right? But believe it or not, it's the skeptics out there, they will actually use this as their basis for rejecting the whole idea of even there being a rapture. And this is it. This is their big one. This is Zinger. It is crazy. I go like, really? That's your logic? That's all you got? This is nuts. But they'll say this, and maybe you've seen this online, or somebody has said it to you. Well, I don't believe in the rapture because the rapture, the word rapture is not in the Bible. You heard that? It's just like, What? We just quoted three different passages. What do you mean the rapture's not real? And that's your basis? We couldn't... So let's, let's examine that uh, rationale. Uh, first of all, the reason why the word rapture 
doesn't appear in the English Bible is because the word rapture comes from the Latin word raptura, which is based off the Greek word harpazo. But it's all the same thing, right? That's why the English translations say caught up because that's what the word harpazo means. There's no conspiracy going on here. It's all the exact same thing. And, and, and that's not some, you're just trying to twist the scripture. You're being sneaky. No. It's, welcome to the world of translations. Last time I checked, languages change over time. Right? Right? I don't, you guys probably spoke one language, but after 10 years of me being here, you spiel, uh, speak cronies. Have you noticed that? Pastor Billy's got these weird words he says all the time, right? It changes before your very eyes. Well, believe it or not, extrapolate over church history, and it changes all the time. It's normal, right? There's no conspiracy going on here, right? Because the Bible, the New Testament, including the truth about the rapture, was written in Koine Greek. How many guys got up this morning, and man, after you got done eating your Cheerios, you read that back, and it's like, man, that, this Greek is so spot on here, and the descriptions of the ingredients here, it's amazing, yeah, you don't do that because we don't speak it anymore, right? It koine, common, used to be the common language of the day. But guess what? If you study church history or history period, then you'll see that in the uh, Western world there, it used to be koine Greek, and that's what the Bible, New Testament was written in. But guess what? Over time, the next language that came along was the military language of the Romans called Latin, right? And so Latin superseded Greek. So God wants people, here's a, here's a concept. God wants people to read the Bible, in their own language, to understand it and digest it. What a concept. So what good would it do to people if you kept the Bible in Greek, but nobody speaks Greek anymore? So guess what? That's why you have translations today, because language changed. And so it changed from Koine Greek, and then it went into Latin, right? Well, guess what? How many guys got up today, and after you got done reading the Greek on that Cheerios box, you whipped out that granola bar, and you read in perfect Latin all that stuff. It was just amazing. In fact, we not only don't read Latin, hello, uh, how many guys have to break out a calculator or go online or do something when they do Roman numerals for a year? Oh, what's that? L means what? V? Uh, we, we don't speak Latin, right? So guess what? The Reformation came along because why? The English language now began to supersede Latin, and so that's what we have. There's no conspiracy going on here. The reason why rapture doesn't appear in the Bible is because it was originally harpazo in the Greek, which then changed to raptura in the Latin, and then eventually we use the word rapture, the English language, to describe that Latin word. But as you can see in the context there, it's what? It's based off the Greek word caught up. What's your point? And that's all you got? That's why you, listen, they don't, they use this not just to reject the pre-tribusition, it's the whole teaching of the rapture. Oh, I don't see the word rapture there. And let me break it down for you even further. This is crazy, okay? Really, so you're going to reject the teaching of the rapture because you don't see the word rapture in the English Bible. All right, let's go back to the original Bible, right? Here is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 18, dealing with rapture in the original Greek. Uh, how many of you guys see the word rapture there? Do, do you see uh, the truth about uh, uh, the dead rising in Christ first? Or about the trumpet blowing, we get to be with Jesus, the, those of us who still remain? And... No, right? And again, there's no conspiracy theory there. We can't read that, so we have to retranslate it based on that. And folks, this is the whole point. That's why you don't see the word rapture in the Bible, because it started with Koine Greek, which we don't read anymore. As you can see, it went to Latin. They used the word from harpazo to Latin was raptura, means the same thing, caught up, snatching, 
quicking, catching away. That's what the word means. And then when our English Bibles came along, okay, we use the words, the English words, caught up, snatching. That's what it means. But we define it as the rapture based on, you see what I'm saying? This is one of the most baseless, ridiculous beliefs ever. It's like, and then they act, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> I can't read that. Anyway, but let's, let's go even further. Let's, let's apply that logic, right? Let's, I, I don't see the word rapture in the English Bible. Therefore, it's not true. Well, did you know the word Bible is not in the Bible? No, seriously. Therefore, I can't believe in the Bible. I mean, that's their logic. Rather, the Bible, it's Biblos in the Greek. But technically, Bible is not in the Bible. But we all know it's common sense that that's the English word that we use to what? to accurately describe the truth of the 66 books of the Biblos Bible, right? But again, according to your logic, I shouldn't believe in this because the English word's not there. Did you know the English word Trinity appears nowhere in the scripture? <gasps> That's right. You guys are conspiracy. You guys worship three gods. That's just, it's a false teaching. It's not in the Bible. Uh, no. Uh, the concept and the teaching of the Trinity is in the Bible. We just choose to use that word, English word Trinity, to describe the biblical concept, right? Genesis, in the Genesis account, the very first book of the Bible, right? says, let us make man in our image. What's that? It's Elohim, plural in the Greek. What? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity right there in the Genesis account. In the New Testament, right? You got Jesus' baptism. What's going on there? In the same time, space, mass continuum. You got God the Son. You got God the Father coming from the sky and God the Holy Spirit lighting down on the sun. What's that? That's the Trinity, Old Testament, that's why we believe in it. Uh, the word Trinity is not in What? That's just the English word we use to describe. Same thing with the rapture. Okay, let me, let me just give you one more. Did you know that the word millennium is nowhere in the Bible? And therefore, I can't believe in the millennium. Uh, that's their logic, right? Or rather, would common sense and biblical proper interpretation uh, tell you that uh, really what's going on there is uh, the word uh, millennium comes from the Greek word what? Those of you hooked on Greek, chilioi, right? Which means, guess what? 1,000 years, which last time I checked, guess what that means? Uh, Millennium, okay? (laughs) This is crazy, right? And so it's amazing to me. You want to reject the whole teaching of the rapture because I didn't see that English word. It's ridiculous. And if that's all you got, man, come on. You got to be honest here. And, and again, I really think it's coming from that crowd that just wants to squeeze the church into a time frame that we saw has no basis for being there. Well, one guy said this. First of all, technically, if you think about it, to answer their objection, the word rapture is not in the Bible. He said, actually, it is. If you have the Latin Vulgate produced by Jerome in the 400s, because it's there. That's what they're, it's raptura. It says it there in the Vulgate. So technically, it's there. If you get that version, the Vulgate, which is basically where we get the word vulgar. Okay. It means common. So it went from Koine Greek was the common language to Vulgate common. That was the common language, Latin. And then now the common language of English. But he says that the Vulgate is the main Bible of the medieval Western church until the Reformation. Later, it was the Protestants who introduced the word rapture into the English language Okay, from the Latin word raptura in the Latin Bible describing harpazo from the Greek word that means sudden, quick, snatch, catching away of the church. So what's your point? And then technically, it makes me seriously want to go get a Latin Vulgate. So I say, it's right here. It's just Latin. So it's just crazy, okay, uh, what they do. Furthermore, uh, again, 
uh, they say that we shouldn't believe uh, in this. It's ridiculous. One guy says this. It's amazing to me that some folks actually write to me, question the validity of the rapture, just because the word rapture doesn't occur in the Bible. Their logic fails because there's a huge number of words, again, that don't appear in the Bible. As we saw, the Bible, uh, the Trinity, the millennium, etc. And for the record, the word rapture comes from the Latin word rapturo, which is in turn a translation of the Greek word verb caught up, found in 1 Thessalonians 4, okay? And so you can call it whatever you want to call it. Call it the pre-trib rapture, the pre-trib rapturo, the pre-trib caught up. It's the same thing. The literal rapture event is clearly taught. The Bible teaches that the Lord will descend from heaven into the air, not the second coming, he comes to the earth in that one, and takes believers into heaven to the place he's prepared for them. Just because a term is not used in the text does not mean that the event is not there in the Bible. This objection is one of those empty red herring objections that simply has no substance. In fact, nowhere in the scriptures do we find, again, the word Bible, but that doesn't stop us from what? Believing in the 66 books of the Bible and even call it the Holy Bible, right? It's ridiculous, it's baseless, uh, and just makes no sense. But again, we're just getting started, and that's really the uh, one that's out there. Uh, the second one that's out there is this one. It sounds like a conspiracy theory. You ready for this one? They say, the, the, I don't believe in the pre-trib position because the rapture is not a secret event. You guys are teaching a secret rapture. Really? Uh, no, we're not. Not even close. But this is popular. Have you heard this? You guys are teaching a secret rapture, and the Bible doesn't teach a secret. Who said it was? As you're going to see in a second, we're not saying it, but you are. And so you made this up and accuse us of doing it when you're the ones doing it. It's crazy, folks. One guy, he describes, and this is basically what this theory is. It's all over the internet, too, right? So if they don't get you with the, the word rapture is not in the Bible, they try to do this one. He says, hardly a week goes by that I don't receive some sort of material of people opposing the pre-trib rapture that's filled with all kinds of error, scriptural, historical, you name it. For example, he said, I came across an article entitled this, The Origin of the Secret Rapture Theory. Oh, it's diabolical. And he says, and the first line in the sentence actually says this, it may surprise you, it may even shock you that neither the word rapture nor the teaching of a secret rapture is mentioned in any Christian literature prior to 1830, including in the Bible. Oh! I've been bamboozled if my pastor lied to me. This is ridiculous. Now, we're going to get into this later, not in this study, if we're still alive and still here. Why do they mention 1830? 1830 is, this is one of the biggest lies circulating on the internet. 1830, they say, another reason why they object, and again, we'll get to this later, but they object to the pre-trib rapture is they say it's a recent teaching that John Darby got it from a Scottish girl named Margaret MacDonald in 1830, right? And so we shouldn't trust it because it's a recent teaching. That is not even true, not even close, and we're going to get that in great detail. But, 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 but is this true? These guys are saying that we're preaching a secret rapture uh, theory, and it's diabolical, and, and, and again, it's not, that's why we reject it, uh, because it's recent, and we shouldn't, no, not even close, okay? Uh, and by the way, we're not the ones teaching this. One guy says, it's not hard to find out, okay, uh, when English words first appeared in the Christian literature, okay? Uh, and he says, and again, the mention they said, there's nowhere in the English literature that you're going to find the word rapture until 1830, right? That was the accusation, right? Well, let's, let's go there. The Oxford English Dictionary tells a different story. 
okay, and excites examples of the use of the word rapture prior, long before 1830. So it's a lie. Now, again, why do people fall for this? And again, we're still getting, we're just getting started. I'm telling you, this stuff is out there on the internet. These people throw out these zingers and they put it in such a way, oh, speak, conspiracy, I've been lying, oh, and nobody investigates it. It is, why? Because they know the adage. Uh, you repeat a lie loud enough, long enough, and often enough, and people will believe it. And it's the same thing. They throw out all these zingers about the preacher rapture. Well, didn't you see Bob Joe Schnoogles? He said that it's a secret. To- yeah, who is Schnoogles? Thank you f- kindly. But anyway, th- but nobody ever puts it to the test. You just keep repeating the lie. Well, we're going to examine that. So really, you disagree with the pre-trib rapture not only because you say it doesn't appear in the Bible, which is bogus, we just saw that. But now you're going to reject it because you say the word rapture is a recent teaching and it doesn't occur before eight. That's a lie, right? Again, Oxford English Dictionary, the oldest word, according to that, uh, oldest word in the rapture family is rapt, R-A-P-T. And the Oxford English Dictionary cites examples of that occurring, listen, in 1400. For those of you hooked on math, that's a long time before 1830. Okay, and then the earliest instances of the actual word, not just the form of it, wrapped, but the actual word rapture is found in secular English literature as far back as 1605, 1607, and 1608. Further, the Oxford English Dictionary provides seven nuances of the word rapture, and the fourth entry, listen, is defined as, you think, well, maybe that's not what it meant, and that's why they use it. No, it meant as defined, quote, the act of conveying a person from one place to another, especially to heaven. I kind of think in that the rapture, like we know it today, right? And two other examples cite this in the 17th century, one writer in 1647, another in 1693. So, quote, it doesn't take long to realize that these examples are well before 1830. That is, for those of you hooked on proper arithmetic and the truth. So this is why, so they just keep throwing these things out there. And I, I tell people all the time, and once you investigate this, I'm going like, you only got two options going on here. Uh, you're either a liar and you're do- because this is all you got because you want the church to be in the seven-year tribulation or you're the worst researcher in the planet. Either way, at that point, you need to get a different job, picking peaches, changing tire, do something different, but researching ain't your thing, right? Because again, I'm, we're just dealing with the facts, okay? Uh, but it's a lie. One guy says this, I'm surprised how many lies they can pack into one sentence. Oh, but there's more, wait. There's more. <laughs> they just keep zinging them out there. Another one, if you pay attention, the third red herring to the argument is they don't say, well, I don't believe in the word rapture because uh, it, I don't believe in the rapture because the word rapture is not in the English Bible. That's bogus. I, I don't believe in the rapture because it's a new teaching. It doesn't even appear in the English language before 1830. And that, that's a, we just blew that out of the way. But they say this, again, you guys are teaching that the rapture is a secret event and that's not what the Bible says. Therefore, I reject the pre-trip as it. Again, we're not the ones coming up with this. You are. No pre-trib person is teaching a secret rapture on the pre-trib position. One guy says this. He says, sorry, but this is another myth. In all my reading of pre-trib and discussion of pre-tribbers, I have never, that I can recall, ever heard of a pre-trib rapturist use the nomenclature of a secret rapture to describe the pre-trib view. Listen, I've only heard that phrase, secret rapture, as a negative term used by those who reject the pre-trib position. Can I translate that for you? We never said this. You did. And yet you say, we are teaching it when it came from you. That's a lie, right? We're not doing it. Uh, It's you. Furthermore, 
the pre-trib rapture can take place at any moment. Again, as we saw before, the doctrine of imminency, okay? Uh, and, 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 and that is in no way saying that it's a secret. We're just saying it can happen at any moment, okay? And furthermore, uh, how can you say, <laughs> this is crazy, how can you say it's a secret when last time I checked, it's been recorded right here in the Biblos, the Bible, for the last 2,000 years? And then on top of that, the rapture passage that we just read in our opening text, Paul clearly says, I'm not trying to keep it a secret. In fact, I don't want it to be a secret. I want you guys to know about this. So what, what secret are you talking about here? 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, 16 through 17, Paul says, brothers, we what? We don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, we don't want it to be a secret. We don't want it to be hidden. We want you to know what? The rapture about those who fall asleep or grieve with the rest of the men who have no hope. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are left, still alive, will be left, will be caught up, harpazo, raptura, where we get rapture from, together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Okay? So the, there's, there's no secret here. What, where are you getting this from? Okay, second, the pre-trib rapture is clearly going to be, here it is, a global event that's going to have global ramifications. And it ain't going to be in secret, right? Think about this. Accusation is so baseless. One guy puts it this way. He says, the rapture of the church of all born-again believers will be anything but a secret, right? He says, the world will instantly go into a cataclysmic chaos at the moment this stunning event really does take place. Imagine the ramifications of what will happen when people, millions, suddenly disappear across the planet. The rapture will be mystifying and to some an inexplicable phenomenon, but it will not be a secret. It's going to happen before the eyes of a stupefied planet for the people who are left behind on the earth. The rapture will take place and the believer's bodies will be caught up in a single moment of time. This stunning event will come unannounced to the world at large and break upon their business as usual across the whole planet. And he says, it's common sense. You know they're going to pick this up. There's no secret. In fact, the lost people are going to help tell people about this event. He says, for instance, if, if the Statue of Liberty suddenly vanished from New York Harbor, what would happen? ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, they'd all break in their regular programming and report that event, right? That's just if the Statue of Liberty disappeared. And so you've got millions of people disappearing without a trace. The media storm cannot even be imagined. In fact, if one car or airplane crashed without a driver or pilot, that'd be a major news item. Well, after the rapture, the media is going to have thousands of those examples to choose from, right? Think of the vital positions that Christians now hold in the workplace. Many businesses after the rapture will be paralyzed by the loss of key personnel. The economy is going to suffer a devastating blow. Millions of people who had friends and family members raptured, they're going to be terrified. The rapture will create a media event that will rival any breaking news event from the past. If you turn on your television at that time, you would find 24-hour coverage on every channel. The president would be calling emergency meeting after emergency meeting. And listen, churches would be filled to overflow. Of who? Those people who profess to know Christ. You might have fooled me, but you'll never fool God. How many people go to church services thinking that that's good enough to get you there? That don't make you born again. How many churches today don't even preach the gospel? How many people you know that like the Christian morality, but they've never bowed a knee to Jesus Christ? Oh, churches be overflowing with the left behind. Now, is that all done in secret? <laughs> That's a global event. 
with global ramifications. And thirdly, think about it. Us, you guys are teaching a secret rupture. Are you crazy? One guy puts it this way. He says, the idea that the pre-trib uh, proponents are teaching a so-called secret rapture is preposterous, especially when you see how much information about the pre-trib rapture already being disseminated in the form of millions of books and radio and TV broadcasts, and we even farm out the bumper sticker that says, in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. So much for preaching a secret. It's crazy, right? The event came from you, this so-called secret rapture, not us who believe in the pre-trib rapture. One guy says this, I've got a hard time understanding how these folks can think that pre-tribbers are preaching a secret rapture. He says, we, we seem to be doing our very best to popularize the rapture before it takes place. I doubt that afterwards, with all the car wrecks and plane crashes and missing person reports, the rapture is going to remain a secret occurrence at all. The only people, listen, the only people I know who are attempting to keep the pre-trib rapture secret are its critics. See how basis this is? Not only this is not what we teach, it's what you teach and then throw it on us and act like we teach it when it's you. It's crazy. He says, actually, it's the pre-wrath and the post-trib folks. Again, pre-wrath, they say the church is in there about from our timeline, about three quarters of the way into the seven-year tribulation, then get out of here. Post-trib, you're in there the whole time and you're exciting. Encourage one another with these words. As you go through the whole seven-year tribulation, hopefully you don't die. And then if you make it to the end, you go, (laughs) and then come right back down. Yeah, encourage. I feel encouraged. (laughs) And we're going to have a whole study on all these positions later if we're still alive and still here. Uh, and expose that as well. But anyway, pre-wrath and post-trib folks have the national media and the liberal churches, dare I say the internet, as their allies and their ongoing effort uh, to silence all knowledge of the blessed hope. So who's really trying to keep it a secret? We derive our belief on the pre-trib because what? That's what the Bible says. So who's really trying to keep it a secret? Not us. It's you, Okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah, let me give you one more because they'll, they'll, they'll still persist. Oh yeah, well, I'm going to prove to you biblically that you guys are teaching a secret rapture because the Bible says it's not going to be a secret. Everybody's going to see him when he comes. Uh, and here's the verse they throw out there. Well, I kid you not because be prepared. They'll throw this one out there. Oh, I'm going to prove it to you. All right, here it is. Revelation 1, 7. Look, he's coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. Amen. There it is, folks. Every eye is going to see Jesus when he comes back. So how can you sit there and say that you believe in the pre-trib position, that we don't know when, when the Bible says it's going to be a global event, and therefore you're preaching a secret rapture? Excuse me? Because you're quoting that text out of context. That text is not the rapture. That text is the second coming of Jesus. The rapture happens prior to the seven-year tribulation. You just quoted a text that's dealing with the end of the seven-year tribulation, the second coming of Jesus. And the second coming is not the same thing as the rapture. Well, you're just being hesitant. No, I'm reading the Bible. As we saw before, the rapture and the second coming are two totally different events. Right? Let's, let's take a look at that again. Let's be discerning Christians. The rapture, the Bible says Christ comes in the air. Second coming, Christ what? comes to the earth, right? The rapture, Christ comes for his saints. The second coming, Christ comes with his saints, right? The rapture, believers are taken away. Second coming, unbelievers are taken away. The angel harvest there we saw before at the end, they come and scoop up all the unbelievers at the end 
and they're going thrown straight into hell. At the rapture, Christ claims his bride. At the second coming, Christ comes back with his bride. Two totally different events. At the rapture, Christ gathers his own. At the second coming, angels gather the elect. Uh, at, at the rapture, Christ comes to reward. At the second coming, it's what? It's judgment time, man. He's going to come and judge. At, at the rapture, it's imminent. There's no signs. In other words, it could happen today. We're not waiting for some Bible prophecy sign before it can happen. It's, it's imminent. It can happen right now. But hello, the second coming happens at the end of the seven-year tribulation. That means there's many prophecy signs that have to uh, precede it. You can't have the second coming now. Why? Because it's at the end of the seven-year tribulation. And once again, for those of you hooked on math, then go back and look at all the events that have to take place prior. You got all the, the Antichrist making the covenant with Israel that starts the very event. You got all the sealed judgments. You got the abomination of desolation, the rebuilt Jewish temple. You, you, you got the, the two witnesses, the 144,000 male Jewish witnesses. Then you got all, uh, the Bible talks about after the sealed judgments, you got what? The trumpet judgments, then the bold. All that has to take place before that event. How can you say that they're the same thing? It's not true, biblically. Uh, the rapture is revealed only in the New Testament. The second coming is in the Old and the New Testament. Remember, it was a mystery, a mysterion. And Paul clearly said the rapture, that the Old Testament saints had no knowledge of it. Okay, two totally different events. The rapture, again, it's a mystery. The second coming is foretold. The rapture, the Mount of Olives is unchanged. But guess what? Second coming, the Mount of Olives is divided. Bible's very clear. Uh, the rapture is a time of blessing and comfort. That's why Paul says, encourage one of these words. The second coming is a time of destruction and a judgment. Uh, the rapture only involves believers. The second coming involves the two audiences we saw last week, uh, the Jewish people, Israel, and the Gentile nations. The rapture occurs in the blink of an eye. And as that text says in Revelation 1, 7, it's what? The second coming is visible to the entire world. I'll give you that. But you're trying to quote that verse as if it were a rapture passage and then accuse us of, it's, you're saying we don't know when, and it's a so-called secret when the Bible says the whole world, will, it's not the same event. It's, you're quoting it completely out of context. At the rapture, the tribulation begins. Well, at the second coming, the millennium begins. At the rapture, believers go to heaven. Second coming, believers come back with him to heaven we get to rule and reign with christ at the rapture believers get glorified bodies at the second coming the elect remain in the same bodies okay uh at the rapture believers go to the father's house uh second coming the elect stay on the earth uh at the rapture satan remains free uh the second coming satan is bound right uh that's why it's so awesome one of the reasons why it's awesome in the millennial kingdom because satan's bound during that whole time right? But that's not, that doesn't happen after the rapture, right? Uh, the rapture, the false prophet and the antichrist are free. The second coming, the Bible's very clear at the second coming. Jesus chucks the false prophet and the antichrist straight into the lake of fire. They skip hell and go straight into the frying pan, man. I mean, that's, that's just, whoa. So how can you say that's the same event? And at the rapture, unbelievers remain on the earth and the second coming, the unbelievers, again, the angel harvest, God, uh, the angels scoop them up and throw them straight into hell. That's just 20. In case you need more, there's more. But that's just 20. But you can't sit there and say that that's the same event. So stop quoting an event that's applying to the second coming of Jesus, where, yes, the whole world will see it, and then apply that to the rapture and accuse us of teaching something in secret and somehow being unbiblical. No, you're the one that's being unbiblical because you're confusing two totally different events. And if you don't stop doing that, then you're deliberately lying okay, and you're in a heap of trouble with God. You need to allow the scripture to speak for itself. And I'm sitting there like, why would you resist? 
Why, why, do you, why do you always want to squeeze the church into a time frame that we are not guaranteed by God to be a part of? Unless, as I said before, that false teaching works good for this bottom line. Because what we offer is the biblical offer, the blessed hope. Encourage one another with these words. Knowing that we're not going to not just hell, but hell on earth. I don't know about you, but that encourages me in my trials. Is it getting messed up in this world? Is, is it heating up in this world? Hey, as bad as it is, you know what? At least we'll never be there. That encourages me. As the, as the scripture says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. As bad as it gets, at least it's not that. But what do they have to offer? They don't preach hope. They sell fear. That you're going to be in there, and then these ministries, typically, who put the church in the seven-year tribulation, they sell the solution to that false fear. And we got that survival gear for you. That's right. We just happen to have a special right now. You can get 1,500 pounds of bags for nine. That's right. And it tastes good. Look, listen to Joe Bobby here. I put water in it. It tastes just like lasagna. I'm going to be prepared for the seven-year tribulation. It's like, <laughs> These guys, and folks, I'm telling you, as I said before, one guy told me one ministry who puts the church in the seven-year tribulation and then sells the solution, survival care, just one made, it was like something like $65, $70 million in one year. See, there's a lot of money to be made in selling fear. And hey, if the Bible taught we're in the seven-year tribulation, then we'd have to deal with it. I'm not convinced it does. And dare I say, even after we go tit for tat scripturally and you still resist, I'll tell you this, you can't serve both God and money. And I really think that's part of your motive. Why you don't want to deal with the scripture and you keep throwing out all these false, baseless, ridiculous, red herring arguments because it doesn't work for your bottom line in the accounting department. Because why do I need to store up seven years of stuff if I'm not going to be in the seven-year tribulation? Again, you're either the worst (laughs) researcher in the world or you're a liar, and I don't recommend that. You better get right with God and get back to his truth. But folks, this is is the whole basis of that uh, thing. One guy says this, listen, modern society has witnessed some rather distressing events over the past century. We've seen the assassination of world leaders, national, international wars, uh, disasters of every sort, All these events have left a deep scar on the human psyche. But I tell you what, these events are going to pale in comparison to the panic that's going to be caused by the pre-trib rapture. The rapture will someday give a new meaning to the word shock, global shock. Uh, And he gives an example. For the the U.S., the attack on Pearl Harbor and September 11th attacks, okay, currently rank as the most startling events in our nation's history. But when the rapture takes place, I'm convinced it's going to be 100 times more shocking than both of those events put together because every individual on the planet is going to be felt personally by that event. And he he talks about it. He says, you know, know, Pearl Harbor, yeah, people knew about it, but a very small percentage of people had loved ones or knew of people that died in Hawaii on that event. And the same thing for 9-11. He says, listen, less than, uh, uh, not more than 1% of the U.S. population knew of any of the victims of the September 11th attacks not just the Twin Towers, but the air, airplanes and all that stuff. He said, everybody saw the calamity on television, but it's unlikely that a lot of people were affected in mass by that event. 
On the other hand, when the rapture takes place, everyone left behind will know someone who mysteriously was taken away. Hey, it could be a family member. It could be a whole family. It could be a cousin. It could be a distant cousin, an aunt and uncle, or it could be a neighbor, a coworker, but you're going to know somebody. It will affect everybody personally on the planet. And simple logic dictates that people will find themselves left behind. They're going to be absolutely terrified at what just took place. And I can only guess at the level of interest by the press, the government, the public will pay uh, to the rapture. But man, it is going to be immense. As a result of the catching, snatching away the bride, many individuals will turn to Christ and become numbered with the tribulation saints. Praise God you got saved. What did we see last week? What's the Bible say? Man, you should have got saved right now. Praise God, God's grace and mercy goes out in the midst of his judgment. The gospel still goes forth during that time frame. 144,000 male Jewish witnesses, the two witnesses, the the, the angel that declares the eternal gospel, praise God, you can still get saved. But you're going to be martyred like flies. Anybody that turns to God during that time frame, in fact, even says your head's going to be chopped off. Why didn't you get saved now? And that's the whole point. And that's why we're doing this study, right? If you're not saved, get saved now. If you know that distant cousin, that aunt, that uncle, that family member, that coworker, that neighbor that's not saved, you need to tell them about Jesus. Oh, you want to be a saint? All right. You need to be a, a church age saint. Don't put your eggs in the basket of a tribulation. Get saved now while there's time, but time is running out. Uh, is the aspect. Unfortunately, that's not all these guys, man, they zing them out there big time. Uh, believe it or not, the third false accusation against the pre-trib position say, the pre-trib rapture is not mentioned in a single verse in the whole Bible. Really? I don't think so. In fact, they even say this, maybe you've heard this, the, you, the pre-trib rapture, it, it produces laziness. It makes people lazy. Really? Are you serious? But we're out of time, so we're going to have to deal with that next week. Uh, so uh, there's your cliffhanger for this week. But the point is, what? Are you ready for the rapture uh, is the point, right? And, and certainly, uh, if you're uh, not a Christian, I don't know your heart. Just because you're sitting here today doesn't make you born again. Has there ever come a point in time when you did what God said to do? Acknowledge that he is holy, that we are not. The wages of our sin is death. We deserve to die and go straight to hell, myself included, including hell on earth and be under God's wrath. But God sent his son out of love for us. Jesus took the death penalty in our place and we believe it's his work and his work alone that satisfies uh, the justice of God so that we can be forgiven. And the Bible says, if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the grave, you'll be saved. If you haven't done that, you're not saved. And you need to do that today. But as Christians, we say, are you ready for the rapture? Oh, yeah, I'm ready, Pastor. I'm ready. Listen, it's cheap talk nowadays. You can say you're ready for the rapture. But the way you know you're really ready for the rapture is when you show it, listen, by doing the normal, logical, loving response as we await the rapture. And that is, we see the impending danger in the scripture looming on the horizon. We can see signs of it getting closer and closer to the shore, Right? So what do you do? Just sit there and, well, too bad for those folks. No, we warn as many people as we can about the impending danger headed our way and take the way of escape out, come to safety before it's too late. That's how you know when a born-again Christian is ready for the rapture. It's like this guy, what he did, the instantaneous response. He didn't just see the danger coming his way. 
He saw people in harm's way and he spoke up and he told him to run. Watch this. This short clip of a man calling to people below him, the tsunami was coming, brought me to tears. They couldn't see what he could see and whether or not they scrambled to the safety of higher ground was dependent solely on whether or not they believed his words. In two minutes, he called out the word tsunami over 30 times and finally broke down in tears. Over 800 people died. Tell me, how many times do we speak of Judgment Day when pleading with sinners to believe the gospel? Do we do so with tears in our voice? May God help us and give us passion as we plead with this dying generation to believe our words, to flee from the wrath that's to come, and trust alone in Jesus. Amen. You wonder why we're studying on this and why we teach Bible prophecy? Because it's one-third of the Bible. But there's consequences for those who were left behind. Don't you see the birth pains? To use this analogy, God gives us a scripture, and so you and I have a view that the world doesn't see. We have an elevated view of what's coming to this planet. And, and, and we could see the signs, the waves. Oh, they haven't hit the shore yet. Well, come on, man. It's getting so obvious. They're getting close. So what do we do? Sit and do nothing? No. You say you're ready for the rapture, Christian? You know what you're going to do? With tears, you're going to beg your family members. You're going to beg your neighbors, the people you keep seeing at that restaurant. Nothing's by chance. And you're going to warn them in love. Please come to Jesus. Don't be left behind. What is coming to the planet is not a seven-minute tsunami. It's seven years of God's wrath 
nonstop. And not just one coastline, but the whole planet. Tsunami, tsunami. Get saved. That's how we know we're ready for the rapture. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God out of love gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that's the same thing. Uh, It's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But, folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. 
You, the, the word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so, even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us, this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.